right. Um, we have, <laughs> this is a woman who got thrown to the wolves, so to speak, in a, in a very demanding job uh, as, as head of the mayor's office of cultural economy. Um, and that may sound like fun and it is fun, but um, it's a lot of hard work. And um, we've talked about the fact that uh, any director job in, in city government, you're working for the mayor, you're working for your, for your own agenda that you want to accomplish, and you're working for what everybody else in the city of New Orleans wants. So it's not easy. Um, I have to say, however, that I really believe on Lisa's watch that a lot is happening in that office that was not happening before. And I don't think everybody's really that aware um, and up to date on what you're doing. So part of what we're going to talk about is really what you and your office are doing, but it's also a kind of, all right, now that we've had Jazz Fest, we know we're going to be okay because the numbers show that we had more people total than we had in 19 pre-pandemic because we had one day less, a similar number, almost the same, but one day less, so therefore it was more per day. That's Keith Spears' analysis uh, in The Advocate, I credit him. And I was really uh, saying, wow, that is such great news, right, for everybody. Yes. Um, so it gives you the confidence that you can go ahead with initiatives. So what I wanted to do with you is get past that because there's a lot of news on that already and, and talk about what you're up to, what your office is up to and how you see the cultural um, community and economy shaping up. We're just fine. You know, we're a city that we're resilient. So we're just gonna keep going forward. Thank you for the opportunity, Jean. In 2019, when I first arrived, you sat me down and, and gave me the guidelines. And then throughout that time and through this pandemic, you have uh, really been a great support of encouragement, as well as giving me the bottom line of, of the feedback. And, and you've been in the community and on the pulse of several aspects of the culture. And so I appreciate you for being there still with me today and affording us the opportunity to share what we're doing and who we are and what we have planned for our cultural economy on the horizon. So well, I, I just I just have to cap what you're saying by saying by now, I'm sure you know so much more than I do about what's going on and what's working and what isn't working and what you need to do because you're deep into it. I, I'm still have a kind of narrow focus on that plan that I'm working on, which I hope will be of use to the city and um, just the exhibitions that we do. So uh, I, I'm counting on you. Uh, to uh, uh, reinform me. So go, go for it. Thank you so much. One thing that I'd like to take the opportunity to do is to clearly define who we are. I am serving in two roles that are all to support our city of New Orleans cultural economy. So I serve as the mayor's director of the Office of Cultural Economy. The Office of Cultural Economy has been here for years and cultural economy here is to support in three ways. We're to create opportunities for our cultural industries, our culture bearers, to help them stimulate their bottom line revenue, their economy, which in turn stimulates the economy of the city of New Orleans. And then to also serve in support and partnership 
and sponsorship of preserving our cultural traditions through education and through uplifting the programming that is being done by our, by our partner agencies and organizations. That is the Office of Cultural Economy. And what we do is we have our slogan, Embrace the Culture, because we want to ensure that everyone takes the time to embrace our culture and know that the creative minds and entrepreneurial activities that take place are for those to make a living as well for us to enjoy. So that is the Office of Cultural Economy. In the Office of Cultural Economy, we have staff that work with arts and culture, work with policy and development, work with our Gallier Hall, our building and programming here, as well as our film New Orleans office. So all things that take place in the city of New Orleans related to film is here in the Office of Cultural Economy. Film New Orleans serves as our gateway. And currently the city of New Orleans is the fourth largest production hub in the United States of America. Isn't that amazing? I just amazing. love Amazing. Yeah. Our city, fourth largest. We're just right behind Los Angeles, New York, and Georgia, Atlanta. And then there's New Orleans. We have 24 productions currently in in activation right now. And those budgets are approximately about $445 million of dollars spent here in our city metropolitan regional area. That is Office of Cultural Economy. Then the mayor went forward and pursued a fair share agreement with the state of Louisiana. And through the fair share agreement, established was the New Orleans Tourism and Cultural Fund Corporation. The New Orleans Tourism and Cultural Fund Corporation, which we have the acronyms of NOTCF, serves as a cultural economic development corporation that serves to support our cultural industries, our cultural bearers, through partnerships, sponsorships, and grant programming. That is what we do. That is a separate office, a separate staff, and we have been working feverishly since 2021 when we launched the grant program to offer those grants and to support all of our cultural industries and our local cultural artists here in the city. To that point, we have now awarded to date since last year, $2.3 million. Wow. wow. That is a lot. And I think that's the most in any period of time that the city has ever put out in the cultural economy. When I say the city, I mean, not just city uh, government, but uh, the old uh, Tourism Marketing Corporation uh, and the, um, the tourism industry. I don't, I don't, believe am i right that that um, is yes you are number. that is that's correct just, that's a great number that is correct and so how do you know how many total grants were put out at this time we're a little over 300 we're about 330 that's how are 330 grants uh-huh. and those grants range and cover representation of all aspects of culture So everyone goes to music, but it's visual arts, it's culinary, it's fashion, it's literary, it's uh, architecture, it's technology, it's health, because all of those items are 
a part of our cultural fiber. I and, mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm listening. Well, I was just going to say, a lot of people don't connect health with um, the cultural industries, but um, so many health programs use culture in treating, especially psychological issues. I know my husband is an artist. When he was young, uh, he he taught people uh, in, in in programs that had people who was, had psychological issues. And he found it one of the most gratifying things he ever did in his life because it really can make a difference. Somebody working, making art, whatever kind it is, pulls them out of their troubles. I find yeah. that myself personally. If I'm going yeah. through a stressful weekend on a Sunday, I just kind of pull out my sketchbook and do what's called Sunday painting. You know, um, it definitely relaxes you and makes you feel um, whole. You know, not just focused on those little elements. I, I didn't mean to distract, but I, I just think a lot of people don't think of that, and it's important. It certainly is. It's a part, and there have been studies, just as you've mentioned, that showed that art and culture not only soothes, but it also heals. Mm -hmm. And so that is why we see so much um, illustrations of artistic sculptures, water, music, all along hospital corridors as well, because that is the offsetting, not only for the patient, but for those who are visiting and, and caring for the loved ones and seeing the loved ones, it provides a balance throughout that day. So, it yeah, is so but I got to tell you that I think you all ought to put on your checklist um, the corridors at the Tulane Hospital on Tulane Avenue. I don't know if you've walked from the elevator, from the entrance in the parking to the elevator, but you're walking through illustrations of English hunting scenes. <laughs> oh really? Oh. Yeah, you have to. We, I think we have to do something about it. It's it's just mm-hmm. on my mind, and I'm just putting it out there. It's, we have to do better. Something that's a little bit more relevant to our people. Anyway, go ahead. Most definitely. So with that, okay, Lisa. All of that said, what's going on in any of the offices? So let me start with the Office of Cultural Economy. We have been a part of yes, sponsoring and partnering with the big festivals, the Jazz Festival, French Quarter Festival. We've had Mardi Gras. We've implemented Mardi Gras. All of that was safely done. However, what are we doing now? We are still working with our Embrace the Culture concept. The Embrace the Culture concept was a means to afford cultural artists an opportunity to live stream their art form during the pandemic. And we were able to do that in partnership with House of Blues, Live Nation, and people performed and performed all different forms of art on those stages, also on the stages of the Ty Tracy Theater, also from their home, also here in Gallier Hall. But the point of that is it gave a greater platform of our artists to not only perform locally and locals see them, but to do so on a digital social media platform, which was a gateway to a wider audience, an audience that spanned across the globe. 
So with that, it has been very successful and we have success stories that lead to that where we're going to continue that. So we're continuing supporting artists through our Embrace the Culture initiative. So it's going, there are going to be times where that's done virtually, but also it's being done live and in person. We're also very committed to and in partnership with other entities such as Art New Orleans, our Arts Council, Geno Inc. has been involved in partner, and there's been several other cultural organizations as well in establishing a digital platform, a digital infrastructure that will serve as a marketing business card, a digital card for our cultural artists who do not have a website or have different ways in which to market themselves across the country, across the globe, but establishing a digital platform by which an artist will have a web page and that would allow people to search them, be able to contact, engage them for performance engagements or to merchandise their art or just to monetize their work and doing so beyond being here and you know locally to do so. So I wanna create a marketplace digitally for our cultural economy that is accessible and affordable. I can't tell you how great that sounds because that's actually one of the top recommendations that is gonna be in our strategic plan for the creative economy because uh, that is where we've suffered most from lack of infrastructure, industry infrastructure in general, but marketing is something that does not require huge infrastructure. It does require doing exactly what you're doing, making things available digitally. So um, exactly. I, I'm really, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I, hear, I am to hear about that. And please engage our organization in that as well, because you know we have something like 12,000 people um, on, in our um, digital list. Uh, about two thirds of them are practicing creatives and the, and the rest are supporters of, of the arts in one way or another. So. Um, yeah, that is that sounds absolutely great. How is that going to be put out? Uh, how, how, have you figured out the process yet of how you can engage people? We're working on that strategy. So that is something I will say that is in developmental discussions and thoughts. So that is that's something that's just in development. And with the year beginning at a fast rush on, Mardi Gras and our spring festivals, I haven't had a time, had the time to convene the team to do so, but it is definitely something that is uh, planned for our fall. Great. I, I want to apologize to our audience. Um, I have a new blue healer. He's not exactly a puppy, he's a year old, but he thinks he's the king of watchdogs. And so that you can hear him barking. And I know my husband has tried to shut him up, but he won't. He's, he, I don't know what he's excited about. There's something in the yard he's excited about. So my apologies, everybody. You're hearing Max in the background. So we'll just keep going. That's fine. All right. Well, that, that is, um, uh, I'm very encouraged about that. And please, you know, that's my, bar, my background, PR and marketing. So, you know, uh, engage, as you say, you know, engage me. I'd love to help with that because um, I, I can't think of anything that's more important. I really can't. And I, and and uh, it's it's not 
it's not rocket science. I mean, it is, it, you have to be very intentional about it or else yeah. you can waste your time online. But um, uh, it, it's something that can really make a difference for all, all of our different practicing creatives. So yay, thumbs up for that. Two thumbs up. For Thank that. you so much. And okay, Lisa, so, you know, so what else are you doing? So with that, on the NLTCF side, we're also uh, have a, a couple of items also in full throttle activation as well. It is our intent across the board to not only support our artists, well, to support our artists in their performance and their creativity, but also to educate and prepare them on an economic, business economical side as well. So with that, NOTCF has partnered with K. Allen Consultants, who are trainers for Google, Grow With Google. Google would like to really work to encourage everyone to be very comfortable in utilizing technology is that, as that is a part of our future. Mm -hmm. So we have partnered with K. Allen Consultants, Google, and the Delgado City Park Campus, and we are launching Grow With Google training, technology training for all ages. And of course, we're reaching out to our cultural industries to come and be a part and learn because the courses start with the basic parts of technology. But then in the month of March, we already gave different sessions every Monday at six o'clock. There yeah, was I a Google I, I session about it online. Yeah. Yes. And, and it and it was training to show you how to build your brand, how to work your engagements and appointments, how to be comfortable with submitting invoices or creating your uh, contractual documents in a simplified form to do business with different people. So and that's we're gonna continue that, that in person now at Delgado. Has, that, and that has been one of the chief uh, um, problems that creators in New Orleans have had is executing contracts that were not favorable to them because they just didn't know how right. to do that. And if you couldn't afford you know, a high level business oriented, a commercial lawyer, then you were on your own and you would read a contract and you might think it's okay, but you couldn't see in the small print that you were signing your rights to mute your music away. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories for years. Right. That's what I heard from musicians is that they, they got screwed. And so they were really um, negative about the future uh, in, in, in an economic context. And by the way, I think you must be making a dent in a, a, a kind of trust factor that I remember so clearly in the transition for Mitch, I think it was, and we were talking about the importance of the arts in the context of economic development. And we had some people in the room who were musicians who were saying, we don't want anything to do with economic development because that is sending the money to somebody else. They couldn't imagine that there was going to be a program that was really going to help them. And um, I think that you're giving away um, your, your, what did you say, 2.3 uh, million, million uh, has to have sent a message to, if not everybody, a lot of people, that the city genuinely wants to make sure that the, that the artists 
of all disciplines are going to benefit uh, from what you're doing in that office. So that that's really important. I, I'm, I'm uh, impressed with that too. So um, that's going to continue. You said in person. Yes. So that's going to be in person. And the first date is May 21st. That's a Saturday. It's taking place May 21st. That's next Saturday, right? Next yeah. Saturday, nine to 11. And persons can register for it. It is free. There's no cost. It's just registration. So we'll know how many registrants and uh, persons will attend to just gauge and get an idea. And we also partnered with another gentleman as well, Lamont, with free phones. And through this process, we're also going to be giving away 30 iPads uh, through this process as we continue with the training. So that is just a way in which we want to encourage people to really uh, take a little bit of your time to come out to help strengthen your business because each artist is their own entrepreneur and to come out and invest in your business so that it can then reap a greater benefit of, of, of what you desire as in revenue or engagements or selling of your art and craft. So that is, that is, that is going on. And then finally on the NOTCF side, we're also from the pandemic and through the pandemic, there were always different cultural organizations, but there was several, several advisory councils that were formed for different reasons. However, we want to establish a cultural working group that is going to be constant and consistent throughout, just throughout. There is no end point for it. And so we're establishing a cultural working group and we're working with TREPWISE in the coordination of such. However, persons, and it's going to represent every sector of culture and it's designed to provide us an idea of where the interests are, what are the gaps, what are the needs, what policies should we be addressing, and bringing that, rec bringing those recommendations and that information to the NLTCF board for acting upon, you know, really taking action on those thoughts and ideas. So it's not just a theoretical meet and greet; it's to really see action and results and deliverables. Uh, grow from it. And anyone who's interested in either of the classes or being a part of the cultural working group, I encourage you to go to our website at notcf.com. And on there, we have a programs events tab. And that tab, programs and events, will bring you to the ability to just click on and sign up for the cultural working group or to also register for the up. Google class. Okay. Yes, because um, we want um, our expertise there as well. Lisa, this has been a terrific overview. I am uh, about out of time because I have okay. a, another guest on the show that is also a longer uh, form than normal. So let me ask you for a closing question. I want to ask you what just instinctively and, and personally uh, are you feeling about how our, our cultural um, economy, our cultural community um, is going forward. What, what's your, your own sort of sense of it and vision of it? I just on a kind of a, almost an emotional level as opposed to, you know, um, your programs. I, I think what you gave us the overview is fabulous and I'm so glad to hear all that. And I'm so glad for our listeners to hear it. 
Um, but I just want to hear what Lisa feels about what's going on in our culture and how, how, how it's going forward. Lisa has a great love and passion for the cultural economy of the city of New Orleans. Lisa believes that our cultural economy is the heartbeat of our city. It's the heartbeat of our state. And what I am feeling that is we have a heart that I believe is growing stronger and stronger because the cultural economy, the artists, the businesses are truly beginning to understand, listen, and feel that we are trustworthy, we are invested in the cultural economy, and most importantly, that we as a city see the value of the cultural industry, of our culture bearers, and we are willing to fight for the upliftment of what they do and that we keep it strong. I congratulate you, I thank you, and I look forward to uh, all the things that you're talking about. And stay in touch, and if you have something to announce, please let us know. And I mentioned about, I really wanna be able to put your newsletter that comes out on Fridays on my newsletter as a link a Thursday evening, if that's okay. So please let's um, figure out how to, to do that. And Jamima in my office can work with, um, I guess, Allison um, to make that happen. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Two thumbs up. Okay. Thank you. Look forward to the future. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, I am confronted uh, today with headlines as I record these interviews, um, with headlines that are just so depressing. Public schools losing students all over the country and losing money. Um, of course, unending bad news from a country that is just being smashed to pieces by a neighbor that really should not be doing what they're doing. Um, the world's poorest are being pushed to the brink and uh, Biden, of course, condemning white supremacy and talking about what happened in Buffalo and not only there, but so many of the other um, incidents that we've had in, in these recent years. Um, nothing new in a way, it's just been going on and maybe it's getting better exposure because we know that um, traffic stops for one have been such a source of really um, cruel um, imposition on people to the point of death. Having said all that, we are um, about to talk about a fabulous production uh, being presented as I speak at the um, Le Petit Theater. And I have two of the stars um, with us uh, to visit and learn from. And um, I'm uh, very excited because the Janice Joplin show that they are presenting um, channels that energy and creativity of a woman that regardless of your music tastes, we all loved uh, for putting so much out for all of us. So Leslie McDonald and Joanna Hale McGill are two of the stars. And um, Leslie, um, let me start with you. Just give me that real brief explanation of who you are and, and why you are enjoying doing this show about Janis Joplin that is going to help us release our dis dismal feelings about the world and, and feel better? Well, wow, that's a big responsibility. <laughs> um, no, um, I am so thrilled to be here 
playing this part again. I got to do it very briefly in Austin a few years ago. Um, and it, I realized very quickly it was my favorite role I've ever gotten to do. Um, I think just because there's no fakeness to her. And I think that that's what drew the world to her um, when she was alive and, and even ever since. Um, like you said, all generations know who she is and love her music. And I think it's because she sings from a place of pure raw emotion, which as an actor, especially in musicals, I think I don't get to do all the time. Um, and I think that's yet a, probably my favorite reason of getting to play this part. And also I love New Orleans. So just happy to be here in general. <laughs> where, where are you based? Where do you, where do you come from? Uh, I know you're on the road a lot, but where, where are you based? Uh, New York City, newly oh. again. I just moved back. I was there for many years and I just moved back. So. All right. Well, that's my hometown, but it was. And now my hometown, of course, for the past, I don't know, 40 or 50 years is New Orleans. Yeah. All right. Joanna Hale McGill, who plays some of the women that um, influenced uh, Janis Joplin. And I love the fact that um, she was so influenced by um, uh, um, uh, uh, artists of a different race. Uh, in part, not exclusively, but I think that's a really important fact that there is that uh, connection. So uh, Joanna, tell me about uh, yourself, your role, your part in this. My name is Joanna Hale McGill. I am a billboard charting national recording uh, gospel artist and I am a New Orleans native. Um, in the production, I play the role of Bessie Smith, Odetta, uh, the Joplinaires and the Chantels. Um, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I, have, I have several different roles um, that I play, but I this is my first time actually doing this particular production. Um, I've done theater before, but this is the first time I've done this particular production. And it is it has been an amazing journey um, just to collaborate with the different talents from all over the world. Um, Leslie is freaking amazing. I had never heard of or seen a Leslie McDonald before now. And yes, she stuck with me. Um, but the show, Yay. <laughs> um, when I initially auditioned for the show was in 2020 and then the pandemic happened, of course, so it was canceled. So then when it came back around again, I auditioned again and I was able to be a part of it. So I'm so, so excited to be a part of it, to play um, some very influential roles uh, that influenced very, Janice very to be who she was. Very yes. legendary folks. Um, so give me a little bit of a sense of the um, structure. I don't, I don't want to say plot so much as the structure of the production, um, either one of you. Yeah, I will. Our choreographer put it best. She said, this isn't really a Broadway musical. This is a theatrical experience because it's blending the idea of just being at a rock concert it really is as if you're just at a Janice concert with the live band on stage. We have an eight piece band, but it's elevated by all those theatrical elements that make going to the theater a just more elevated experience. The lights, the projections, the set, the costumes, the wigs, the mics, the um, different ways to blend a story together where some of it is realism and some of it isn't, you know, some of it's in, in her imagination. Those are all theatrical elements that usually rock bands don't use in, in their concerts. But that's why they call this a theatrical experience because it is not, it, it really honestly doesn't feel like you're at a Broadway musical where the sets change and we're pretending to be, to play out these scenes in her life. It really is just <clears throat> watching Janice and her band play. And then I start talking to the audience 
about my life and how much I was influenced by these amazing women. And then they come out and they become the women, um, which I think is the element that Randy Johnson, the writer of the show, uh, did with this show that really makes it extra special. I think if it was just Janice and her band, it just wouldn't be what, what this show is and having these women in it, it just makes it extra special. So, so two things, why, uh, tell me about why she was compelled to um, create this production and, um, and, and tell me about that, what you, which you've characterized for me, because I haven't seen the production. So it's, it's a little bit hard to understand, but it sounds like there's a real weaving of different contexts, which is always very tricky in any kind of film or theatrical production. You know, these films that kind of jump back from the past to the future, it's, it's always, it's interesting and it, it holds your attention and you learn from it, but it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so explain to me, uh, number one, why she was motivated to do this production. Do you mean Randy, the writer? It's yeah, a man. Exactly. It's a man. Right. It doesn't, yeah, Randy Johnson's a man that wrote it. Um, and then he collaborated with Patty Wilcox, our female yeah. choreographer. So it was the two of them. So sorry to be confusing. Um, and Randy, I, you know, I can't really tell you his exact moment of motivation, but I know he worked really hard on making this script uh, work and he's honed it over years and years and years and I, it just works you know it's one of those magical things uh, I think it's just hard work and trial and error to, to where it all comes together really really seamlessly and and Joanna you have these multiple roles that you again have to weave in and out of um, portraying the uh, influences um, on um, uh, Janice, and, and it, it's fascinating for me because I didn't really follow her career that closely. Of course, I am, like everybody else, very familiar with her singing style. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, again, curious about how you keep sort of having to jump into these different skins and really um, uh, dig into uh, these, these different um, characterizations in one production. So it's, it's important, um, especially with theater, that you need to uh, study and learn uh, the role that you're playing. So when you put on that particular costume at that moment, you have to begin to channel that person to become uh, who they were in the moment. Um, you have to bring light to that person so you can make sure that you're um, executing it the way that it's supposed to be executed in the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of quick changes um, throughout the production, you know, going from person to person. Um, but even in those moments, you still have to uh, stay focused and remember the role that you're playing so you don't confuse the four that you're playing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But that's, that's, that takes some skill. So let me go back um, for both of you. I, I, I want to, uh, I, I know you kind of gave a little bit of a sense of, of, of all the work you've been doing that has enabled you to be able to put together, first of all, a production of such a strong personality, and then secondly, several. <laughs> um, so um, tell me about how you developed your skills over the years. And you said you were from New Orleans. So let me go back to the beginning when you first started saying, let me guess in church. <laughs> right my mother my mother sang with so many different local gospel groups in new orleans and um 
the family discovered I had a talent for singing at a at a family funeral. I was just sitting there and then I just started to sing and it was like, wait, she can sing. And I was like, wait, I can sing. You know? <laughs> I didn't know. I was, I didn't know. So um after that, um, I began to cultivate my gifts of singing. I was a graduate of uh Valina C. Jones Elementary School on Galvez in New Orleans. And um my Galvez and Galvez and was that Miro and Galvez? I think it was Miro and Galvez. Miro and Galvez. So um, that's right around the block from me. So yes. I'm on Esplanade between it is um, yes. Blame and Tom T. So I'm like two blocks from Galvez. Like right Galvez. by us, right not far from St. Aug. Yeah. And so um after that, Church. uh my um my music teacher began to uh, help me to cultivate the gift. And so from there, I just went on singing in different churches. And then I won the Walmart Next Gospel Superstar competition. I was the first winner of that. And I sang at the time, joined a family reunion. I had a couple of uh, major gospel artists produce my first single. Y Yolanda Adams was there. I performed for her. And so just from there, um, I began to do a few things. And then I did my first stage play at La Petite, was in Crowns. Um, and so that was where I began to have a love for theater. Um, and I started doing theatrical productions. I was a guest singer on Cloak and Dagger. Um, I recently did BT Sacrifice. So I've done a few things um, locally. And I was recently at Jazz Fest this year for the first time. So just make paving my way has definitely been uh, something special for me. So, so were you uh, particularly conscious of the, the women Whose um, whose whose singing you have uh, provided in this production? I mean, was that did you have? I a learned I learned about them once um, I saw that I was going to be auditioning for the role. So then I started to begin to do some research to learn about them to see exactly who they were. Um, Odetta uh, Bessie Smith. It was it was amazing to me because the day she died was actually my daughter's birthday, and I was like, oh wow, this is this is. This is crazy, you know. So a few other things throughout the production became personal for me. And I was like, wow, you know, so this was for me, it was meant for me to do the production hands down. I agree. I agree. She's so amazing in it. I think that moment with us where you're Bessie and you look at me before you walk off. I think that's like one of my favorite moments of the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. As if from uh uh the voices and the people to that person in real life. Um, Leslie, uh, were you a big fan of um, of uh, Janice historically, or again, was that something that you came on? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't know enough about her, uh, but very aware of her and, you know, could sing along with probably half of her greatest hits, but now now my favorite songs of hers have changed, you know, now that I know everything inside out. And <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen her documentary, Little Girl Blue, but I've seen that about 20 times. No. Because they have all of her immersed. Dick Cavett. You're immersed. Well, yeah, they have all of her Dick Cavett interviews on there. And I really needed to like watch over and over the way she, the way she talks, like physically how she is when she talks. Um, and also when she sings the different, she moves her body when she's in music different than, than I do. You know what I mean? So if I let myself give into the music while I'm singing and dance the way I dance, it'll look completely different than her. So I had to really understand like, oh yeah, she doesn't really use her hips. She uses her shoulders and, and her fists a lot and, and her hair a lot. Whereas I dance with my hips more, you know, more modern. Um, so I really loved just 
studying her physicalities um, in addition to already loving her music. All right. Um, what, what I'm interested also uh, to, to talk about is to compare these um, idols, these, these legendary artists, um, uh, including all of those that you, Joanna, represent and, and uh, Janice, um, Leslie, with um, artists of today. Um, and I, I feel, and tell me I'm wrong, but I think partly due to the influence of the internet, um, we have so much of a um, exposure to uh, sort of uh, irrelevant aspects of people's lives. I mean, right now, I, I was shocked to uh, read in an article yesterday that this, this dispute between this actor and his girlfriend is a more dominant story being followed on the internet than the abortion ruling of the Supreme Court and the election and so many other things. I mean, I, I'm just concerned that um, we're, we're being pulled at the same time that I was talking about all that dismal stuff and needing a break from it, but to be pulled into kind of irrelevant stuff as opposed to uh, performance and emotion and uh, a more a deeper view of life um, is, is a little bit scary. Am I wrong in portraying the contemporary music scene that way? I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Well, I think you're talking about the world at large, not the music industry. And I think that Both. it is disheartening uh, that that's a bigger news story, but also I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation, that it's, that's the, the story that people are going to for the relief for the, this is entertaining and bizarre yeah. and takes my mind off of the other, the other news story. So I don't think it's, those are for the same purpose. You know what I mean? Like, like what we were saying earlier, I, I think, think they, I think they like watching this bizarre woman talk about her dog stepping on a bee and acting like she's crying. And it's all just very weird. It's like a soap opera, it's like people watch their soap operas to, to check out of real life. I think that's what that is, but I don't know. I think that's a fair statement. How do you feel about it, Joanna? I, I agree. It's definitely the world. Music um, speaks its own language. Theater speaks its own language. So it's, it's okay to put those two completely separate. But in reality, it's, I, I can't understand why that is taking precedence over things that are more important. You know, you have young girls and mothers. A mother has been missing for the past six months and the family still has no answers. You have an eight-year-old girl who fell in the Mississippi River and they have yet to recover her body. So like you said, why is that more important uh, than the bigger issues that we have? But music and theater can bring you to a place where you can sometimes seem to forget about the other things that's going on and just zone out and just completely zone into the moments that you're in. Music is therapy, theater is therapy. I would say music, theater, and also um, as a dancer, um, dance, yeah, and, and art in definitely. general. I, I remember, um, you know, I'm, I'm, unfortunately I did not pursue a career in art. A lot of those of us who work in the arts in support of them um, had that instinct to be artists and then we, I chickened out for one. And um, I, I think that um, the, the, there's some kind of true release from the trivia in life when you are working on something creatively. And uh, whether you're writing it, producing it, or, uh, or actually performing it, 
Um, and Leslie, I still have your image I just lost. Um, uh, there you are. Thank you, Joanna. <laughs> so um, uh, you all, when you first started in your careers, you must have had that recognition, that realization that as you perform and, and dig into your talent and your creative ability, that it, it, uh, it, it takes you to another place. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say art, to go back to the, your comment just previously, too, I think art is the thing that connects us all, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things in the world right now that are reminding us how we're different. Um, but I think that that's why people connect to art so much is it shows us how we're alike in the human experience and, and uh, gives us some compassion for each other and understanding of each other's lives and a mirror to ourselves too, you know, helps you kind of look at your own life and and uh existence in, in a new way um so yeah i would say it's the most one of the most important things the fact that people want to pull funding from schools is is so insane to me it's like one of the most important things of being being a human is learning life from an artistic <clears throat> perspective especially now as we are going through a kind of um you know a technological revolution every bit as dramatic as the industrial revolution once was. And if we don't prepare our youth for the kinds of jobs and careers and activities and opportunities that are implicit in this era, then we're making a terrible, terrible mistake. And I have absolutely no doubt that that is the only way we are gonna deal with people falling off the grid and, and winding up um, in the streets to, uh, to, to pursue some kind of self-esteem and opportunity when they should have been able to do it based on their skills that work in this economy. But um, I think I wanna hear a little bit more about the experience that the people in the audience have during your production. Cause I, I have to believe, I can just hear people you know, clapping and, and yelling during the performance. And they, they may almost drown you all out, I'm sure, because they're so excited to hear the power of the music that you're presenting. Is that true, Joanna? You know, when, uh, I think that was just the crowd, maybe it was Sunday, when the band, because the band comes on stage first. And when the band came on stage, they started cheering immediately. I was like, oh, wait, the show hasn't even started yet because the, even the band members are in costumes. So it, it, get, it just brings it all together. And you could see the, the faces of the audience members. And it's like they're experiencing, like she said, a concert from years ago, the songs that are being sang, the way that it's being delivered. You can, you can literally see their minds going back and like, wow, I remember that. They're singing along, they're clapping, they're yelling like it's, so much energy in the atmosphere is infectious. So I know you're going to get to see it and I'm going to look for your face so I can read your <laughs> face. <laughs> so I can read your face to see that same reaction, but I, I promise and, and I'm, you. I, I'm thinking about people that I work with and I know who um, I know would love to be there. So I'm going to try to um, make sure that at least the woman who works for me, who's a singer and um, does you know arts work, uh, uh, for our organization, but um, I, I know she's going to love to hear from you all and 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 be there. Um, so uh, again, on, on the experience, uh, Leslie, uh, that they're having and you're having as you perform this um, 
where does it take you to going forward? So uh, hopefully I'm sure you're gonna do more of this production in other places besides New Orleans. Uh, so I know that that will happen, but beyond that, where do you see your careers? I wanna sort of talk about the future. I always like to talk about the future. Yeah, I mean, um... My most of my background, you know, has been singing on stage or doing concerts, like the more theatrical side of singing. I would love, love, love to get more into um, what Joanna does, which is like recording. Um, so I'm trying to make that a next big goal of mine. But, you know, like today, as soon as we hang up, I have to put an audition on tape for a Broadway show. And, you know, you just keep keep plugging along. Well, then you're in a good city for that. And we're in a good city from the standpoint of the cultural input, so to speak. I always say the past is not past in New Orleans, but we're always creating something new. It's a very um, creative, spontaneous, uh, improvisational city. And so it's a fantastic place to really develop your talent. And Joanna, I'm sure you're um, happy to be able to take what you have experienced in the city and put it on, on stage. You know, every time I go somewhere and they find out I'm from New Orleans, they was They say what? I think your volume just cut out. My mind was gone. Anytime, anytime I go somewhere, they're always like, you're from New Orleans. Like, man, what is that like? And my ultimate dream. Joanna, we're having some volume problems with your audio. <clears throat> Can you hear me now? Leslie. We're still having some problems. Here we go. You can hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, you're back. Okay, great. So my my next, uh, my ultimate goal, my main goal is to be the next EGOT winner, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and the Tony. And so I believe I'm slowly chipping away at that, you know, doing theater, doing recordings, doing television, you know, so I just, I'm just preparing myself for what's next, surrounding myself with people that have been on Broadway, which is where I want to get at some point, people that have won Emmys and things of that nature, so I'm just slowly paving the way, and to be able to leave a legacy for my children as well. So you both are in, um, very important cities on uh, for the uh, creative um, life of our country. In New York, of course, is a phenomenal marketplace and, and, and enormous audiences and support for what you do. Uh, New Orleans, again, is, is such a um, seminal uh, creative environment. It's, it's all about creating something new all the time. Not that that isn't true of New York as well, but uh, one of the challenges, Joanna, in, in New Orleans, of course, is getting the support you need to keep growing and building what you're doing. And tell me how you feel. The fact that you're, you're here, that you live here, is, 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 I'm sure is a challenge, but on, on the other hand, um, really enforces your, your creativity. Um, for me, in, in, in putting together the, the next event that I have a, uh, a major gospel concert here in New Orleans that's taking place next month. And I found that for myself, putting that together, a lot of people will say, oh, I support you, Joanna. I'm there for you, whatever you need, let me know. And then when you call on them, um, there's nothing, you know? So I, <laughs> I try to surround myself with people. I'm a giver, so I don't mind sharing the platform that I have with others 
But when I ask for help back, it's just nice to be nice to reciprocate. And in New Orleans, sometimes um, that's difficult, unfortunately, um, amongst the artists. Some of them are amazing and they like mm. to share, but some of them just, they don't want to share. And there's enough for everybody. And I think that if we all work together, we can accomplish so much more together. So for my New Orleans artists, let's all just collab and work together. Like Leslie's saying, she wants to record a song. We can have a conversation about that so I can help her to be able to accomplish the goal that she wants to accomplish. I mean, my current song is number 15 on the Billboard Indicator Charts. I would have never had that done, you know, but it's just by someone else reaching out to help me to accomplish the goal I want to accomplish. Does that make sense? And, and vice versa. I appreciate that. Vice versa. You know, I've done Broadway. So you come to New York and you need to know who to talk to, auditions, yeah. stuff like that. You know, we got to help each other out. Yeah. I think part of the problem in New Orleans tends to be um, that, again, we don't have the infrastructure and the skill sets that are really important for um, achieving uh, the 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 development that we need for any product or project that we're doing. And I don't think it's because people don't care. I think it's because maybe they either don't have the resources, the skills, or um, no, just know how to help. And, and that's an important thing. That's actually something that my organization is working very hard on. Um, and, and for New York, I mean, it, it's, a, it's such a different situation. You have a lot of competition. Uh, but again, um, you do have a lot of people who are, are willing to help. Um, I, uh, again, I, I, I'm not sure if I've asked you questions that you were expecting because I have a certain approach to um, what we do on our show, which does have to do with how people develop their careers and, and develop their practice. And, and so that's something I focus on. But if there's any um, kind of really interesting points that you feel are important for you to share with me and our audience about the production of yourselves, um, now's your moment. This is the this is our wrap up. So well, if you had done what we expected, that wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> okay. So I had a great time talking to you. Um, I guess one thing that you said and then Joanna answered that I, I feel like I could jump on board too with is just that people do sing along. And I don't think that people even that hear the name Janis Joplin quite know all the songs they know of hers. Like, Peace of My Heart, Mercedes Benz, Cry Baby, Bobby McGee. I mean, those are the songs that like, no matter what age in the audience, everyone can't help themselves. They all start singing. And I've actually talked to some younger people in town and they're like, oh, that's her? Like, I don't even think, the songs are almost oh. more iconic than her name in, in certain age brackets and things. And there's so many songs in the show that literally the whole audience is singing along and it's like one big, just, I don't know, pow, I don't know, <laughs> what do you call that? Like, it's just one big sing-along and it's so fun. And Joanna, final thoughts? Final thoughts, yo, if you haven't, even if you've seen the show, come see it again. <laughs> I just want to say, that I, think, I think what really intrigued me about it and what I think is so important is um, how much um, one artist influences another and how one artist incorporates 
the creativity of an, another artist into their work and, and, and brings it forward. And um, I, I think it's fascinating what you're saying about people experiencing the sources of this music that they're familiar with, but they don't know enough about. So I think um, you're talking about a very enriching experience if you go to the theater. You're not just gonna have fun and sing along, but you're also gonna take away this notion of how much people really pay attention to the creativity of others in the, that are out in the creative space and, and, and how that really shapes um, how we go forward and develop new things all the time. Um, Leslie McDonald and Joanna Hale McGill, I appreciate you both enormously and I do hope to come out and see it. I've, I used to be a big time nightlife or entertainment follower. Um, uh, I'm a little less out there but I'll, I'll make a point of we have matinee show we have a matinee show honey to cover that so you got a three o'clock show that'll get you home before the nightlife <laughs> even starts <downtown. laughs> all right good i'll check into that and, and best of luck to both of you in your careers in life thank you right. thank, thank you, you so so much all right bye-bye bye. Bye. Bye, i'll see you later see you later girly <laughs>